Everyone and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 286. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games. A little bit of a different setup this week. Um, I don't know if we'll be sticking with this consistently, but uh, I've been getting a little little tired of the green screen setup. So I was like, the, the main reason I even wanted to do the green screen setup in the first place was due to the... Um, the, uh, there's like a light behind me at my desk. And so like when I'm streaming or something like that, or doing the podcast, you can see the light like blasting right into the camera. So, um, there's other things that happen like COVID and working from home and things like that. Um, but largely I mainly was using the green screen to like solve a temporary problem in a lot of ways. Um, and so I've always kind of wanted to get back to a more traditional podcast setup to some extent. Um, and I kind of want to use the secondary stream station, as an option for that. Now, if you don't know, I've been messing with the secondary stream station off and on for most of the year, um, but I was using a different microphone. I finally replaced that microphone, so I have a Yeti here. This is the first time I'm using this, so hopefully the audio turns out okay. I did notice this microphone, despite the settings seeming to be the same as my other one and it being the same model, um, it seemed a lot more sensitive in a lot of ways, so I'm not really sure what's gonna happen with that, but from the testing I did, I think I've got it kind of in a good spot right now. Um, the biggest problem I have with this particular setup right now is that if I'm using the camera that I'm doing right now, um, that camera quality is just kind of not great. Um, you know, it is something that it, it was helpful for panels and, and you know, you would think camcorders wouldn't be, I don't know, you would think a, a decent quality camcorder would be less expensive than a decent quality webcam. However, for some reason, that's not the case. And I find uh, the, the, the camcorders, you get a good quality camcorder, you have to spend, you know, closer to like four to $500. And especially when I was buying this camera, I wasn't quite prepared to do that. Um, if I had known a few months later, I probably would have shelled out for something a little bit higher quality. But, um, you know, the Sony one is fine for the most part um, for getting things done. So for something like this podcast, it's probably not a big deal. There's some like slight refresh rate issues and things like that as well that I, I hope I can fine tune. But unfortunately, with the way I connect this camera to um, to uh, my, my setup, it uh, doesn't work. Like it doesn't like let me make many changes to the actual camera recording quality stuff. So yeah. Um, the other thing is just like, there's no shock mount on this. So I only recently bought a shock mount for that, my other desk, which was something that was well overdue. However, I couldn't really find a good shock mount for this style of Yeti microphone that I bought. So, um, there's like a little DIY one that I'm planning to do. And it basically just like sits on the bottom of this and basically holds this whole thing up on like hair bands essentially. So I can give that a shot and see how that goes. So anyways, this will be the first time I'm going to try to use this. Um, part of the reason I want to do this is cause I get like fun times to put stuff on the shelf back here. Uh, unfortunately I can't really like put stuff there long-term because, uh, my cat loves to go and knock everything off. So this, um, there's like, and, and sorry for the audio people who have no idea what I'm looking at right now. I guess I should think about that a little bit. <laughs> I think most people li listen through audio, honestly, but behind me, there's like a shelf kind of thing. Uh, if you've been watching any Patreon content or like, like the Oreca battle uh, device, that's the place I'm at right now. But, um, I have this, uh, FX, PCFX mouse box here that, uh, my cat keeps knocking down off the shelf because it's small enough. So, 
I'm putting it up higher just to get out of the way for now. But yeah, that is one thing that like I can't really put too much on the shelf because or at least nothing too small um, because then my cat will go and start like knocking things off because in the morning he's like trying to get my attention. He's like, wake up, wake up. I want food. I want food. So... (laughs) Um, so yeah, but anyways, most of this week so far has been post-con recovery kind of thing. So, you know, I went to a bunch of conventions back to back and then even like before the two conventions more recently, I was out and about quite a bit generally. So, um, this is kind of the first time I'm back chilling a bit. You know, there's a Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I just kind of chilled for Thanksgiving. We, we streamed Sonic Frontiers and I did beat Sonic Frontiers. We're not going to talk about that this week, but, um, I did get to sit down and finish that game, which is a really fun game. I, I, I'm really looking forward to talking about Sonic Frontiers probably on next week's podcast, but this week we got a little bit of catch up on some other titles, um, for that. But, um, p- panel one, so the, uh, buying retro games on a budget while staying positive is more focused on staying positive, honestly. I keep saying, the, the retro game on a budget part first when it's really staying positive while shopping for retro games. Um, that panel is up and out. It's been out. Uh, I put it out uh, about middle of last week. There's also a Komori Khan interview I did where um, California blogs uh, did an interview with me uh, about about the going to Komori Khan. They, they didn't know who I was or anything like that. And they didn't know I was doing a panel. Well, they saw that I had a panel badge. Um, but they didn't really know what I was doing. So it was a pretty general interview. You know, I think they were just kind of pulling aside anybody who they could get a lot of cosplayers and stuff like that. But it was fun to talk about it. You know, I think I said my usual convention stuff. It's just like, I love Artist Alley and panel was fun. And it was like 20 people that showed up to that panel. So I think it went pretty well. Um, and, and so the video is up for that panel if you want to watch it now. Um, I mentioned it before, I think last week, but the, uh, buying, Staying positive while buying retro games on a budget panel, um, it was based off an old video that I did. However, it gave me a lot more opportunity to kind of expand out some of the things I talked about a bit. So I had fun with that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it went pretty well overall. Panel number two, which is about buying uh, Japanese fan goods um, online. So, you know, uh, like Dojin goods and things like that. That is going to be out this week. I already have it finished and scheduled and done. There is a post up on the website that has all the URLs I talked about on there. I'm just leaving that post live right now because uh, I gave out a QR code at the panel. And I want to make sure that if anybody scans that that code, the links come out. But I'll probably repurpose that page um, once the panel is actually published on the YouTube channel. So that's going to be on Wednesday this week. I am pushing the the Patreon content back by a week. So sorry, Patreon people. I left a message um, um, about that on the Patreon, but I'm pushing it back because I just want to go ahead and get those panels out pretty quickly. I feel like you get about a week window where the panel will like sit there and retweet some of the stuff that they've they've done if you add them. And then after that, you're kind of out, out the door for that. So I don't know. I might be too late already, honestly. I probably should have done the Sin City one first just because KomoriCon was a ways out at that point. But, you know, lessons learned. Oh, well, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> well, we, we, we will live anyways. So, so yeah. But otherwise, it's been mostly just working on the back end stuff. Like I said, I've been kind of rethinking the YouTube channel a bit, how I want to organize content. Uh, probably going to break up content between multiple channels. So um been working on that and setting up the, 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 I guess you'd say, uh, floor, flooring of that basically, and just kind of prepping, uh, to, to, to make that change. So I'll probably announce that change, um, probably in, in early January. Um, and, and then we'll go ahead and move forward with, with, uh, you know, the, the, the new things there. I'm sure I'll talk about it on the podcast as well. So I'll, I'll give you guys an update once that's, that's ready to go. But same thing that I mentioned before, content's going to be light for December. So don't expect that much beyond the typical podcasts and streams and things like that. So, 
A um, couple of small things, though, I did want to talk about before we get too deep into uh, specific games and things like that. Um, I bought one of the PS2 MS uh, or M- MC2 SIO cards, which this is basically the thing that lets you load uh, games through the uh, memory card port using the SD card. Um, it's not perfect for doing that, but it's it's better than using like the USB stick uh, or USB ports on the PS2. Um, so I'm going to be doing that to, to play some, uh, games that are either too expensive on PS2 or there's like a fan translation or things like that. So the big one I wanted to check out was, uh, I think it's called Fire Heroes in Europe, but it's called Hard Luck in Japan, uh, Return of Heroes. Uh, we bought, I bought that a while ago at, uh, Retro City Games here in Las Vegas and, uh, did not realize it had a, a European, um, um, uh, release at the time when I picked it up. And then I saw there was a European release. I was like, well, I might as well play the translated English release and, and do, do it that way. That would be the better thing to do than just sticking with the Japanese release. So even though I have the Japanese copy of the game, I'm going to be playing that one. There's a couple other games that's the case as well, where like I bought it not knowing there was a Western release and I would just rather play the, the English release if that's where the, was the case. So unfortunately, it's not compatible with every game. Um, so it's not the most ideal solution. I don't have a fat PS2 with the hard drive anymore, you know, as a Final Fantasy XI fan you might think that was the case um but at some point that ps2 got tossed out with the hard drive um i I think i've told the story before but basically when i was a kid um i thought the login process to final fantasy 11 was way too long because you had to turn on the ps2 no disc in the slot go into your hard drive boot up play online log into play online navigate through play online log into final fantasy 11 um, and then select your character and then you'd be dropped in the world. Like that is too much time. That's me not playing Final Fantasy 11. <laughs> so what I would do is I would log out my character. Um, um, but I would, uh, I would just leave it at the title screen and turn the TV off kind of thing. So that PS2 was running that, that title screen for probably a good two, two and a half years, um, the disk drive died and eventually, uh, after like a thunderstorm, uh, the system itself died too. So, um, and then at the time I didn't really know what I was doing. So I just like tossed it out cause I'm stupid. Um, where today I probably shouldn't have done that. So, but you know, that's, that's how I go, baby. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I got that. The other thing I want to talk about, um, with the fan translation stuff too, is that I mentioned earlier around the time I was finishing up Xenoblade Chronicles 3 this year. I want to play Soma Bringer, which is Model Soft's Nintendo DS title. Um, there's, they have two Nintendo DS, no, three Nintendo DS titles, a Dragon Ball Z one, which I don't have. And unfortunately I think is fairly expensive. So that might be in pirate territory for me at this point. Um, and then Xenosaga episode one and two. Um, but then Soma Bringer is their original IP. It's like an action RPG kind of thing. And I'm trying to remember if I recall correctly, this is more of like a fantasy star online kind of style game where you, uh, kind of go around and you like pick a character, but I don't think you're like a character. You're like kind of a creative character. Maybe I don't know for sure. You're not really creative character. You like, you don't choose, like, I don't think that your character is something you uniquely make. I'm saying this out of my ass. I don't really know what someone bringers like, but that was always my memory of this game as being more of like an action RPG with character building elements. I don't know if that's the case, but I did get the fan translation set up on my 3DS. So I am ready to go with that at this point, as far as I can tell. 
Um, so I think I might go ahead and start that up uh, sometime shortly here. Hopefully, 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 hopefully. <laughs> I've been meaning to get to Soma Bringer forever. So, you know, oh, there's one other DS game, uh, Super Robot Tyson. Well, two other DS games, Super Robot Tyson's Endless Frontier. Those are also Monolith Soft games as well. They've made two of them. I have not played Exceed, which is the, um, the re-release. So anyways, looking forward to doing that sometime soon, hopefully. Anyways, let's talk about some games. Um, so uh, if you didn't follow on stream a couple weeks ago, we went ahead and finished up a game called uh, Napletail. And uh, Napletail for the Sega Dreamcast is like a 3D platformer that Sega put down, I think, like pretty late in the system's life. I think it was like 2000. And the developer of the game was a company called um, um, Chime. But it was something that I think really stood out to people who were looking at import games at the time because it has a really cute, like, fairy tale aesthetic. Everyone is kind of like these little animal people kind of thing. And the main girl, uh, her name's like Porsche or something like that. She has this, like, very... I don't know if eccentric is the right word, hair, like this big hair that goes back into a crown and stuff like that. Um, but it's just like super colorful and, and the character designs are just like really, really appealing overall. And, um, and the, the dialogue is like really charming too, which unfortunately I was streaming this game. So it made it really hard to appreciate the dialogue as much as I would have if I was playing it on my own, probably. But it's just this really like cute, cute looking game, very games for girls feeling, even though I don't necessarily know if it was like created with, with only like girl players in mind or something like that. But I, I believe it was a largely, um, uh, lady staff kind of thing so um but basically the, like the 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 idea behind the game is that you're a girl uh who kind of ends up in this town it's like kind of a i don't know if netherworld is the right word but when i say netherworld like i don't mean it in like a dark like hell kind of sense um it is very very like cute colorful town and each avenue in town is broken up into seasons so there's four different main roads and they all come together at a fountain in the center of the road and things like that um and each of the seasons basically are like two to three levels so you can go down the road and there's a bunch of houses down those roads but at the end there's like an exit that sends you out and you can go choose like two to three levels that you can play and um even though it's like a 3d platforming and, and like a side-scrolling 3d platformer uh it's not very linear at all it's it's more like quest based almost where you go back to town you get a quest and then you kind of got to figure out you know which sees you need to need to go to and which level you need to go to and sometimes you only need to play through the whole level you just need to like go and explore it and then you know go get the thing you need and then and then leave basically so uh there's a ton of exploration in this game and that also means a lot of backtracking too to some extent um but it's very much like built into the game's design itself um, the levels in gameplay, I will say, are pretty straightforward. Like, I think this is something I feared even just coming into it in the first place, where, like, I love the look of this game, I love everything about it, like, aesthetically, but when I looked at the gameplay, I was like, this kind of looks like your traditional, you know, side-scrolling platform, a little bit of, like, 3D space you can kind of navigate back and forth, so I guess it's, like, 2.5D, maybe, I guess it depends on how strict you are about the definition of that. I know some people have very strict definitions, but you can, there's like a 3D space you can kind of move back and forth in a little bit. And, um, and it's just kind of like, you know, just go left to right kind of thing and jump on various platforms. There's like these cheddar chests you can get and items and those items you can basically go and, and, and like make crafting material out of them. And, and there are like, items you can get to like help you in combat and things like that but they're really not that important they make these things called paffets which are little pets basically the paffets in my opinion are more important in 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 like quest stuff where where they need a, you to do something specifically with specific paffets for like individual quests um so the the ones that are actually like 
you know, combat pathets and things like that. I just never ended up using much. And, and Porsche has this like giant wand that if you smack enemies with like most of the time, you'll kill them in like one or two hits, basically. So I, I would really say the gameplay as a whole is just not really the focus of this game in general. Like it, it it's good enough to get the job done. Like it get, it, it gets the point across um, or like kind of just acts as a good, a good way to like, you know, take you from point A to point B kind of thing. Um, but this game, I would say it's more probably about like just going around and uh, talking to the different like townsfolk and things like that. Um, you know, it's a game that I think a lot of people had a lot of trouble with initially because it didn't have a fan translation for a really long time. You know, it came out in like 2000 and I think people were really attracted by it because of its aesthetics and things like that. Um, but there's just like a really high language barrier. And I did try to like look up a guide at one point and the one guide I did find online just seemed a little... A little um, hard to follow, I will say. So I think a lot of people struggled to to really enjoy it, even though they 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 um, probably really wanted to. And I, I'm somebody who never really looked into playing it, but like I always just remember how distinct it, it looked and things like that. But um, thankfully, there was a fan translation that was put out about a year or two ago. And uh, as far as I can tell, it, it's great overall. There's a couple of small issues with just like text spacing and, and in terms of like some items, just because, you know, how big of a space they can fit, you know, English letters into some windows. And then there's also like um, kind of like a quest log kind of thing. And that quest log seems to break sometimes and, and it doesn't properly load up um, for the most part. But it, I say overall, it's 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 pretty minor. Um, but the, the dialogue in the game is just like super, super lighthearted. And so you just kind of walk around town. Everybody has their problems problems you know porsche has like this character called stray nap and they both kind of work together to solve people's problems in town and 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 like everyone just feels very like <laughs> i don't know how to put it everyone i guess porsche like really feels confident in herself in a lot of ways that that feels pretty nice like like she's not a character that's really developing much i feel like it feels like she's more of there to like develop this world of people who are in the netherland and, and have you know um, um these problems kind of thing so um because of that kind of like character interaction being the focus, though, um, a lot of the game, I think, comes down to just like walking around town and talking to people and just kind of enjoying the dialogue. And I think that fits well because the game is not really the game doesn't provide a lot of direction for you. Um, I, I was talking to a couple people um, before I, I streamed the game. And, uh, they mentioned that they got stuck at some point and couldn't figure it out. And I did have to get help. Um, um, one of the lead translators on the project, thankfully, um, uh, messaged me to help me out towards the end of the game. Although again, I was streaming it. So there's a little bit more of a urgency to push forward where if I was just playing by myself, I probably would have ran around a lot more kind of thing. Um, and wouldn't have felt as, uh, as, uh, anxious about, uh, uh, getting forward. But yeah, it's a game that just has a lot of wandering and you'll have to spend a lot of time just going into town talking to people like randomly and then just seeing if they're going to give you a quest. And then, uh, you know, even if something doesn't seem like it's important quest line wise for like the main story, um, it might still be worth doing that quest to see if it like connects to the main quest at all. And, and then all the characters I think um, are, are generally fun to just like learn about overall too. So anyways, it, it's, it's definitely a game that is mostly about charm, but it's not like a Rhapsody musical adventure kind of situation where I feel like Rhapsody is a game a game that you play despite the gameplay in a lot of ways, where I think, I think, um, Napple Tale is a game that, that is, is, has solid gameplay, um, but it's more about, you know, absorbing yourself into that world and really appreciating the characters and, and things like that. So again, huge thanks to, uh, the people who fan translated it. Cause like, really, I think a game like this, you can definitely, 
appreciate some things about it without reading it. But I do think, um, you know, having a, an, a, an actual translation of it and everything is, is is a big deal for for kind of the core of this game and, and making it work. So um, definitely worth a playthrough, in my opinion. If you have a Dreamcast, it's pretty easy to burn. You know, Dreamcasts, uh, I think maybe some late model Dreamcasts are a little harder to deal with. But early ones, for the most part, as long as you have the right files in place, you know, you basically just burn the game to a disc and then just drop it into your retail Dreamcast and it'll just boot up without too much trouble. I use an archival quality CDR, so that might help out as well. Um, but I, I haven't tried just using like a standard CDR, but using an archival quality CDR, I, I didn't have any issues with, um, with like skipping or anything like that. So definitely a fun way. There's also like, you know, ODE options for the Dreamcast where you can use an SD card instead. So, so check it out. This week, I also played another game. It's called, uh, <laughs> It's a Nintendo Switch game. Uh, the game's called Puzzle of Fungi. Fungi Explosion. Um, which is a kind of a goofy name, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's from a goofy developer. Uh, so if you don't know, the, this is a game that was from the Touch Detective developer, or publisher at least. So, um, I believe Success is the company's name. And, and, and recently there actually was a Touch Detective port, um, to the Switch, but it's Japan only at the moment. But this was a, I believe a 3DS game or maybe a mobile game initially. And, uh, eventually it got ported over to the Switch and that's the version that I have. And, um, it features the little fungus guy. I don't know why but this little fungus guy got really popular and he has a ton of games even though he's like a side character in the touch detective games um and it definitely has kind of the the fun little quips that come with a, a touch detective game like every time you finish a board or something like that uh the game will have the little fungus pop up and he'll be like oh the most important documents burn the brightest or or something like that. It's just like a little, little one-liners basically. Um, but otherwise the game more or less is just kind of like a Bejeweled clone. Maybe I, I'm not that familiar with Bejeweled, honestly, but basically the idea with this game is you, um, have a bunch of different types of fungus on the, the stage, like little icons. And, um, each of those fungus, uh, if you combine three of them together in a line, uh, it'll basically make the, them disappear. And then, you know, it drops down or drops up in this case. And then more, more fungus comes in from the bottom of the screen. And so you can do chains and things like that. Um, but more importantly, probably, is that you can also do additional patterns where you use four fungus of the same type. And if you put them in a line, it clears the entire row or column. Um, or if you put them in a square, it clears out a section around uh, those four fungus kind of thing. So um, it's it basically has you just trying to combo that together to get like really a high score kind of thing. And there's also like a time limit. So the longer you go without, you know, uh, combining or, or, or harvesting fungi, I think is what they call it. Um, it, it, your timer runs down. And if you run out of time, you get a game over essentially. So you're basically battling the clock rather than so much of like battling like a Tetris style screen that like builds up to the top. You can end up in like stalemate situations actually. And that will basically clear your entire board. Um, sometimes. So, um, there is like a hint system, which is pretty nice as somebody who doesn't know a lot about these kind of games and how they work. Like being in a situation where you can't read the board very well and you're having a hard time finding matches and your timer's running out. Basically you have like, I'd say about three to five hints. It seems like there's like a way for you can earn them back. Although I don't think the game ever really said it outright of how you could get it back. But if you're playing, it seems like you steadily get hints back either by time or maybe based off score or something like that. Um, but it, it, it's, it's a pretty challenging game for me, at least. Um, I am pretty terrible at games like this, so I really can't, 
I can't say for certain if like if this is a good puzzle game or not in a lot of ways because I'm just not good at puzzle games. So like I don't have any real experiences beyond I, I invested maybe like 20 or so hours into a game called Money Idol Exchanger once. But I do enjoy them from time to time, but I really can only just like enjoy them on the surface level, which actually makes one part of this game a little challenging for me personally, and that is just the lack of modes. I think it was a download title initially. I got a physical copy, um, so maybe it's not too surprising that it's pretty light on content. Basically, there's four modes. Um, one is a beginner's mode, and that's basically just like a tutorial mode, essentially. It's just a way for you to kind of get used to the game um, in a space while not like necessarily going through a direct tutorial kind of thing. I think there's like an actual tutorial when you launch it up, but the beginner's mode is like a way for you to get comfortable with the game. Then there's the standard mode, and that's just kind of the standard game. I usually could get around to like stage five or six before I'd fall out. Again, I'm not particularly good at these games, so maybe that's super early on. I don't know. I played for multiple, multiple hours, and I did get slightly better, but never never got quite further than like stage five on average kind of thing. Um, and then there's like a uh, IQ mode and the IQ mode is basically a mode where they kind of ask you to hone your skills in a lot of ways. So they're like, hey, make a, you know, four row clears kind of thing or make four column clears or, or things like that or click, you know, 15 of this particular type of fungus or 15 of this fungus, only three of this fungus and kind of thing. So they basically ask you to do various challenges. And depending on how quickly you do those challenges, uh, they give you a nice Q score, kind of like in a uh, brain age kind of fa- kind of fashion kind of thing. You get little bits of dialogue between the main girl from Touch Detective and the butler uh, in Touch Detective. They kind of have a little, little bit of back and forth talking, but it's very, very light. Like I said, it's not a lot of dialogue or anything like that. Um, it basically just changes depending on, you know, how high you score. If you get negative IQ, you know, he kind of berates you. Um, if you get positive IQ, they praise you kind of thing. And, um, I, I think I got to the point where they basically were like, you did okay. And that was the best I ever did. Um, one thing that is kind of weird though, is like, other than that one bar of like in the IQ mode of like, you did okay. There's not a lot to like rate yourself against. Um, because if you, if you go to the scoreboard without like making a safe file or anything, the scoreboard's completely empty. Like they don't even have developer scores on there or like fake scores to aim for anything like that. It is just a completely blank scoreboard. So it is all completely populated by your own scores, which is kind of bizarre. So, um, and there's like a versus mode as well. And I didn't get to play the versus mode, but I did pop it open for a little bit just to kind of look. And you basically get to choose between like four different uh, girls from the, the Touch Detective series. And you basically send, um, I think it's called like fungus, back, or not fungus, mold back and forth. And that like determines their ability to, I think, clear out their screen. Like I think that the mold will cover up different fungus and things like that. So like you can't see the screen and things like that. So I didn't play that mode, but there's some kind of versus mode here at the special rule set. So there's something with that at the very least. So um, I played it for maybe around like five to 10 hours. And, you know, I can't say I loved my time with it, but I wouldn't say I hated it either. (laughs) So again, I'm pretty light on this stuff. If you're a casual puzzle game fan, I'd say it's probably not the greatest investment you could make. Um, but I generally thought it was a, a fun game to play at the very least. I would not be, I don't think I'll be disappointed if you, if you do pick it up and just expect the minimum of, yes, I'm going to be basically putting blocks together and they'll disappear kind of thing. But I'm sure there's many, 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 many more puzzle games that are significantly better. Um, but I just personally don't have that experience. So, <laughs> but again, very casual puzzle game fan here. So maybe it's the best puzzle game in the world and there's a secret scene that I'm not aware of that everybody's like battling out on the, the puzzle of fungi, fungi explosion, uh, 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 leaderboard somewhere. So, 
<laughs> so yeah, but. Anyways, that's pretty much it for stuff I played. Um, like I said, Sonic Frontiers we'll talk about next week, and I'll give you kind of my full rundown of those impressions. It's the time. It's the Patreon time. Where the the beeping is back. You know that beeping 100% just comes from me when I used to watch uh, Podcast Beyond, an IGN PlayStation podcast. Um, they made like a, a news beep noise, and so I guess that just like stuck with me. And I don't know. If I, I don't know if I ever realized that's where that's from until now, but just like in doing it now, I, I'm pretty sure that's where that came from. So I don't think the, the podcast beeping noise is that interesting. I probably should have like an official sound effect kind of thing that plays, but you know, life goes on, life goes on. Uh, hey, Patreon people, Henry Dagger, Paul Daniel, Julian, and. Discreet. Thank you again for supporting me. If you want to join them, you can support me on Patreon for $5. You get bonus content there. Um, like I said, this upcoming week's of bonus content is delayed slightly. Uh, I made a post on the, the Patreon kind of explaining uh, my thought behind doing that. Uh, but really, in the, the next kind of post you're going to get is just kind of like a deeper behind the scenes look of how things are coming together at the new channels and stuff like that. And I'll probably give you like a very spelled out way of like how I actually plan to uh, implement the changes that I'm going to be making and, 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 and hopefully that's interesting. Um, I might make a video version of it instead, uh, depending on how I feel about it at the time. It probably just depends on how quickly I can finalize the details I want to finalize and, and figure it out from there at the very least. So, um, what you can also do though, if you join the Patreon is ask a Patreon question. So every Monday at 3 PM specific time, I put a post up on Patreon that says, Hey, Put a comment in here and then you can you can ask a Patreon question. And it's like, sure, yeah, absolutely. You can do that if you want. Um, Jillian has done this for us this week. And Jillian asks, have you ever bought costume DLC? Well, Jillian, to be honest with you, I don't buy much DLC in general. There's very few exceptions. The two situations I can think of where I thought about costume DLC is um one schoolgirl zombie hunters so schoolgirl zombie hunters you don't know that's a playstation 4 third person shooter by uh d3 um it's kind of spiritually connected to the oni chambara series which is like you know kind of the sexy bikini zombie slayer kind of series um but this game i'd say to some extent it's it's kind of sexy but it's not as as explicit i'd say as as uh, one chambara is but it has kind of the undertones of it in a lot of ways um and uh in that game um you can collect outfits and i was pretty excited about that to be able to dress up the the girls and things like that but unfortunately there's only like maybe three or four outfits in the game and all the other outfits you get are just like recolors of those outfits which is really disappointing um, so I did see that there was like DLC costumes in that game. So I went and looked online to check that stuff out. And unfortunately, all of them were just kind of like references to other uh, D3 games. And none of them really jumped out at me, mostly on Oni Chambara games, if I recall correctly. So I never downloaded there. But that was like one of the cases I was like, if there was there, if there was costume DLC, there is a good chance I probably would have bought it in that situation if it was good. Um, but I didn't particularly like it that much. Um the other time I thought about buying costume DLC was fairly recently, and I'm sure I talked about it on the podcast at some point, is for Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier. Um, you know, Final Fantasy VII is a franchise, you know, Final Fantasy is a franchise. I guess Final Fantasy VII is a sub-franchise of Final Fantasy because there's a ton of Final Fantasy VII stuff, right? Um, and Final Fantasy VII as a sub-franchise is one I do not care that much about. I honestly, like, I think Final Fantasy VII is a alright Final Fantasy game. I think it's immensely important in the like the context of um two different things one um from the u.s perspective obviously i think that's the easiest thing right of just like the u.s perspective in terms of 
um, you know, our first real exposure to a JRPG in a mainstream scale, right? Um, but there's the secondary aspect of Final Fantasy VII, which is it's a game that immensely changed the setting and tone of Final Fantasy and kind of paved the way for the modern Final Fantasy and how it changes um, setting and tone with each release in a lot of ways. So um, I'm thankful for it for that. But I, I would say Final Fantasy VII as a whole is not a game that I look back on too fondly at this point. Um, but Dirge of Cerberus Final Fantasy VII is one I do care a little bit more about. Um, and I do like the outfits of the Deep Ground Soldier. If you don't know what the Deep Ground Soldier is, Deep Ground Soldiers are some, like, post, like, post Final Fantasy VII story element that was added in later about, like, secret underground troops that you never saw in Final Fantasy VII because they were, like, stored underground or something like that. <laughs> something weird that's just, like, sure, whatever. Um, but I like their outfits because it's a black outfit with kind of a, um, blue, uh, neon light kind of thing on it. Um, they also have like these metal pieces too. And, um, my original character in Fancy Star Online had that kind of like black outfit with blue neon light kind of thing on it in, in some ways. Um, so I think I really like those outfits because of that. And I think that is a big driver into what, why I like the outfits still today, honestly. But in Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier, um, you know, I don't care about the Atifa outfits and things like that. I'm just like, I just want the deep ground outfit. And they added it. And I thought about buying it. Um, I think it may have not been purchasable as a pack though. I think you might have had to pull it. And I unfortunately never came back to the game in time to actually spend money on it. However, I did come back to the game after they announced they're shutting it down and they are doling out tickets galore. They're like, hey, we're not making money from this game anymore. You can't even buy tickets anymore. So we're just going to feed you tickets nonstop. So in, in pulling my free tickets nonstop, I was eventually able to get my deep ground outfit and I got to put my deep ground outfit on. It was very exciting. My character is very baby faced in that game, though, I will say. That's a problem I have with a lot of Final Fantasy games where I feel like my character is always a little too soft looking than I would like at times in terms of like their facial structure. But I also don't want them to look like, you know, grizzled veteran. I feel like there's somewhere in between I can just never find. I feel like that's true for a lot of Japanese creative characters. I just never can find the space in between of, of, of the character design that I, I want. Um, so I, I'm not a huge fan of like my character's face. So often we'll just put like a mask on to cover up his face a lot of the time. So, so yeah. So those are the two times I really seriously considered costume DLC. I don't think I've ever purchased costume DLC. I probably got free costume DLC at some point for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So anyways, anyways, thank you again, Jillian, for your time, for your question. I appreciate it again. 3 p.m. Monday, the post goes up. If you want to ask a podcast question, just leave a comment there. I'd be happy to answer your question. Let's talk about news. Pretty light news segment this week. Um, there's two stories, I think, that are kind of exciting, and then two things that are more or less just reminders. Um, this first one here is just a reminder, which is that Switch Sports is getting golf. Um, by the time you're hearing this, actually, uh, I think it's out. So I think today, the day that this podcast goes up, it's out. So exciting. Um, I, I was kind of excited about this initially, but, um, I heard, um, from the press cycle of, uh, basically it seems like they're only the Wii Sports courses again, which is kind of frustrating because they continue to kind of recycle those courses. And I kind of wish Nintendo just made some new courses, honestly. Um, so now it's like, well, I could play, well, I don't have Nintendo Switch Sports online, uh, Nintendo Switch Sports, I will say. So, you know, I, I don't have access to it right now anyways. 
But it just kind of is like, well, if I did really care about golf, I can just go play Wii Golf, essentially, and get more or less the same experience uh, that in that sense. But um, I would like to play Switch Sports someday. Um, it is kind of frustrating that the costumes and stuff like that seem to be limited time costumes, though. So I don't think I can, like, go and get all the costumes now. I think, that, I think they're long gone. Live games. I love them. <laughs> um, we have an actual kind of news story here, although it's not anything from official publisher or anything like that. That is EX Troopers, the Lost Planet spinoff game that kind of was born out of the ashes of Mega Man Legends 3 based off what what seems to be the, the case from like, you know, reused assets and engine stuff. Um, from that Mega Man Legends 3 demo. Um, EX Troopers, uh, basically is like a, I don't know, it's not really like a third person shooter. It's kind of like a, a, I guess maybe like an action RPG, similar to like what I was talking about earlier with like Fantasy Star Online and Soma Bringer kind of having a similar connection possibly. Um, it's more of that style and, uh, it's got a very manga, like over the top style in terms of visuals, very distinct compared to the rest of the Lost Planet series visually. Um, and people were really upset this didn't get localized at the time, but it was also a different era of Japanese video games when it comes to the West and how, how likely those would have been to, to sell. I think today, EX Troopers would have come out, but back then, I don't think that, I don't think it would have been financially made a lot of sense. But there was a 3DS fan translation, if you recall. I, I mentioned it before. I was not aware. Apparently, this fan translation was not particularly good. I think it was mostly based off either machine translation or just somebody who didn't have a great grasp of the language. I could be wrong about that. I never played it myself, so I don't want to say too much. But that was um, kind of the word going around I saw around the time this was coming out. I was not aware that was the case. So, um, But this is a, a complete fan translation, and it's for the 3DS and the PS3 version. What a weird combination of consoles, right? Um, I've had the PS3 version for a while, so that's the one I've always wanted to play, but I have not hacked my PS3 yet, so that's something I still got to do. Um, so hopefully, eventually, I'll get around to that, but I got to figure out this PS2 stuff first. So we'll do that first. EX Trooper we'll get back to. Um, but yeah, it meant like there's just like a really exciting one week period where people talking about EX Troopers again, which was exciting. So, so yeah. Um, this is kind of more official news, but not so much uh, like real world news. And that is that uh, Team Ninja were giving a presentation. I forget where they were giving the presentation, honestly, but they were giving a presentation at some event. It didn't seem like a press event for like, you know, game press. It seemed like more of a general event regarding, um, you know, some stuff. I don't know. It, it was not a name I recognized, at least. Um, but in that presentation, Team Ninja mentioned the fact that they were interested in rebooting um, their old franchises, popular franchises. And it, and it seemed like basically on that screen, they had two pictures, one of Ninja Gaiden and one or dead or of dead or alive. Um, if you don't know, Team Ninja is still making video games. They're working on like three different like kind of third person action games right now. Um, so them saying they're going to go back to, to uh, Ninja Gaiden at this point and De Dead or Alive is like, I think something that was maybe not super clear going to happen just because they have a lot of projects on their plate. But if anyone, if there's any one company that like just mass announces projects for their teams, it's like Tecmo Koei. They're just like, yeah, every video game we're making from Omega, Omega, whatever their team is, Omega Force. Yeah. Every video game. So, so yeah, we'll see. But I mean, it's not anything official, really. They even had to come back and clarify. They're like, oh, we weren't saying Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive were coming, but it seemed pretty heavily implied. That's what they wanted to do. Um, Ninja Gaiden, I think Ninja Gaiden 3 left the sour taste in people's mouths, but it's been like a decade. So there's been plenty of time for people, I think, to, to come around on that franchise again. And I think people would be really excited for a really cool modern day Ninja Gaiden. Um, and then uh, Dead or Alive is a little bit more in a weird territory because uh, I think Dead Wave 5 came out in like late 2010s, maybe 2019. 
Um, and that was not received very well. I did not hear a lot about what was bad about that game beyond microtransactions. So it could very well be a good video game, um, but it might just be the microtransaction aspect of it, which, you know, you know how I feel about that. We've talked about Babylon's Fall and Chocobo GP enough here. Um, so I haven't played it. I would like to play Dead or Alive 6 someday, but um, yeah, I think it is a franchise that does need to come back in some way. And I think the fighting game space is open enough in a way that 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 it would make a lot of sense for a franchise like Dead or Alive to try to make and and a a, a a you know try to get back into that space a little bit. Um, the big thing is is just like figuring out if you embrace the image of its sexuality or do you you know uh uh turn away from it um or do you try to have your, your cake and eat it too which is like what dead or alive six tried to do and uh didn't particularly do a great job it sounds like i feel like we're i feel like the industry today is in a little bit of a better spot than it was like mid 2010s of like how it feels about sexuality and games and stuff like that again so i don't know i feel like the industry kind of goes in phases and and i feel like right now people are a little more accepting of that kind of thing at the moment but We'll see. It might also just be how it's portrayed and things like that. But I don't know. Dead or Alive, the the volleyball games maybe a little bit more so, being more like on the fan service level. But I don't remember Dead or Alive Dimensions or or one and two like really jumping out as like being overtly sexual outside of you know obviously jiggle physics and things stuff like that. I guess there's like the sweat aspect with five to some extent. Was that like the third release of five or something? I don't remember. I only played the first release of five, but I really liked Dead or Alive five. That was a really fun game. So anyways, hopefully those games come back. Um, I would love for them to try again, another Venus vacation game in a, or, uh, uh, extreme game, um, and try to do something that is a little more, um, representative of the series as a whole. I feel like whenever I talk to extreme fans, it, there's almost never the one extreme game that they kind of point to as like the great one. It's like the first one's for volleyball, second one for jet ski, <laughs> the third one is for uh, the best like dating mechanics kind of thing. But yeah, I, I really like the atmosphere of Venus Vacation from what I played. And I would really like to try to, you know, jump into that series at some point. But I feel like I, I never can quite decide which one I want to play. So if they can make one with good volleyball, good jet ski and good little dating sim stuff. I think I'd be interested in checking that out. So, And then last, this isn't really a news story, but just I had forgotten that Dead, Dead, <laughs> Dead or Alive, uh, Dragon Quest Treasures is coming out on December 9th. No real new details there. I just forgot it was happening. I think they put a trailer out or something. I was like, oh yeah. So um, I'm interested in that game. I might still pick it up. I think it, I can't remember if it's Switch only or not. So I'll have to look into that, but I was a little worried because I picked up Frontiers and was like, oh, dang it, Treasures is coming out soon. And I, if I'm still playing Frontiers, I won't probably get to it. And then I beat Frontiers in like 10 hours. So <laughs> I really enjoyed Frontiers and I kind of blasted through it. So anyways, but yeah, just a reminder, I think I'll check it out. I'm, I think I'm interested in checking out Treasures as well. So anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneChillWorld.com is the website. As I said, things are kind of still shifting around and moving. So I don't really have a lot to, to kind of announce today, but... The second panel will be going up on Wednesday this week. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about the Dojin buying process and things like that, um, I, I would recommend checking that out. Or if you just want to see me talk at a, at a thing again, you can do that. <laughs> um, we may be back here at this the setup next week, or we may be at the green screen. I don't know. It just kind of depends on how things go and what kind of changes and improvements I need to make. You guys are the guinea pigs right now, though, so we'll, we'll see how things go with that. Um, and then for streaming this week, we're going to be streaming uh, the games I picked up or at least got like demos of 
um, for the conventions I went to in 2022. This includes Level Up Expo in 2022, so that was in February. It includes Portland Retro Game Expo, Kamori Con, and Sin City Anime. I got at least one video game at each of those. Um, I think maybe for Level Up Expo, I don't think I bought anything, but I think there were some demos that were going to show off. So probably about like five or six video games. Um, I'd been wanting to show off those Level Up Expo games for a while, but never could quite figure out, like, make a big enough splash with it for it to matter kind of thing so i think this should at least cover like an hour or so and then if we if we run out of time we'll, we'll check out some other stuff that's separate from those but that is the plan that's again thursday at 7 p.m pacific time on the youtube channel or on twitch.tv slash one controller port that's the whole url i'll say dot com but no um so yeah very exciting anyways i'm gonna let you guys go i hope you guys have a great week i hope you had a great thanksgiving if you're here in the u.s and then uh, I hope you guys are enjoying the holidays. I have a tree back here that I set up but didn't put anything on yet because I'm too scared my cat's going to throw it to the floor. So we'll see tomorrow morning what happens with that. Um, but uh, I might put ornaments on it after he doesn't attack it for two or three days. So, yeah. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.